0: Commodore Wealth offers complimentary, that's free, folks, portfolio reviews to listeners. Get us your statements... And we will thoroughly examine your portfolio, give you opinions on the risk and quality of each position you own, as well as how wisely we believe the whole thing holds together and how efficiently it addresses your needs and goals. At the same time, we'll also opine on how protected your assets are from financial predators, your estate plan, tax savings opportunities, and otherwise we think you can cut risk, avoid probate, save money, and just plain get richer faster. Did I mention this service was... Free. Just call us at 888 kamarda that's C-A-M-A-R-D-A, 888 kamarda to set up your free portfolio review. Call now while it's on your mind, folks. Folks, you're back with the Camarda Wealth Leaders, and before we get into uh, the planning points and how to select a financial advisor give you some real valuable tips on it, I think, there was some uh, discussion off the air uh, to follow up with Super Moose's question about uh, what to do with Ford, maybe will it rebound? So, uh, Rob, why don't you briefly restate that question and we can get Johnny Hotstock's
1: opinion on it. Well, again, a lot of people have uh, had legacy, legacy positions in Ford. They've relied on that dividend year after year. Uh, you know, given that your your view on the stock, is it something that they should consider? Taking all things into account, the potential to reposition this that that money and maybe look at other opportunities. Actually, that brief question, Rob. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So no, great. <laughs> question. Don't, don't call me the financial advisor. No I, I think, think Alex just. That leads twelve bu- seconds for your response, Alex Danny. Just hit the buzzer. Um,
2: so here we go. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I think that yeah, it's a great question, and certainly if you don't have huge tax consequences, as Jeff alluded to, there are many stocks out there with good yields you have an advisor can help you with that research certainly we uh, can with clients so, then so why so
0: chase a rust bucket when there are so many other things yeah that because might if be you're getting a four
2: percent dividend I'm not saying 4 is 4 but let's say you're getting 3-4% and the stock drops by 30 how many years of dividends do you have to have don't answer that's rhetorical
0: alright so folks let's uh, I'd like to focus on and this is by the way we have an upcoming free report called Avoiding the Big Mistake the Three Mistakes to Avoid in Choosing a Financial Advisor the kind of, this is you know selecting financial advice finding financial advice is probably one of the most confusing and mystifying things uh, in in the, today's uh, business world and I have found after long practice I've been in this business since 1984 uh, most of you folks have been nearly all of your uh, working lives is people tend to make decisions on the quality of advice based on the personality fit how much they like and trust the person that's important that's how human beings interact you want to work with people you like and trust absolutely but but if you go to see a doctor And they're a medical doctor or a DO, you know, they're a doctor and not a medical technician or a pharmacist or a nurse. I mean, there are very clear lines between the level of expertise and training and accountability and responsibility that we have in professions like medicine, engineering, law, architecture, and so on that are really very much obscured in the financial services business. So the three real important points that I would like to focus on um, in, the, in the 12 minutes so that remain in the segments, and that is training, you know, honesty, integrity, and ethics, which are critically important, and compensation conflicts. And I think those are really the three pillars of finding an excellent advisor, one where you clearly understand the compensation, and it's as congruent as it can be with your objectives. You're not across cross pur- 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 uh, pur- uh, The purposes if you buy this great-looking investment product and it's a 20% commission, just to make an outrageous example, obviously the salesperson making 20% that's coming out of your pocket, no matter how many shell games you play, that's the only place it can't come from, you're across purposes The more he makes or she makes, the less you net investment, and you know the bigger, the bigger the hole you have to dig at it. So you want to minimize compensation conflicts. Obviously, honesty and integrity and ethics are really important if people aren't acting you know, honorably and in your best interest, then you know that, that that's a real problem. And also, they need to know what they're doing. You no know, training. So let's start with in reverse order. Let's start with training. And I'm training. And I like to begin with a Certified Financial Planner designation, which I've held since '92 or so. Jonathan, I think you were certified circa 2000, something like that. And it's probably the most widely recognized financial planning and financial advisory credential. Because largely because of the marketing efforts of the CFP board, uh, more than anything else. So the CFP um, it, it is you know requires pretty detailed study of advanced planning areas, primarily retirement, insurance, investments, estate uh, planning, and overall financial planning principles, if I recall them correctly. Um, in order to, but it, I view it very much as just the beginning or the basic knowledge. Um, the first step on the way to financial expertise, I think the exam, Jonathan, when you took the exam, it was a two-day board exam, is that right? Right,
2: ten hours, two days. And
0: I think they've shortened it to uh, to one day now, six hours, it's computer-based. Wish I would have waited. <laughs> yeah, well, you can take it again if you like. Oh, great, yes, I think I will. The, uh, um, I think that they've now waived the experience or loosened the experience requirement. So it's a great credential, it's a great place to start, but it really is just the beginning. And uh, Jonathan, who holds a credential, Robert, who does not, do you have any uh, thoughts or comments on that?
1: Well, I think you can get great education, uh, you know, studying for the CFP. Um, There are a number of uh, other avenues to really round out your education. And I think, you know, you might want to ask a financial advisor how they keep up on things. How do they stay current? Who are the... Who are the experts that they listen to or study from to, to stay on top of their game? Yeah, but I really
0: find it's just to be, and what I learned, you know, when I completed my CFP training, and I think Jonathan will, you know, agree. And also, Sonia, you're, you, you are a chartered financial consultant, which is another great designation. I also hold that one. Jonathan does as well, which is very, I found it very analogous to the CFP, a little bit deeper in terms of the, uh, um, the depth of material we went into, and a little bit broader as well. So I, I thought that knowledge base. Was, uh, was probably superior to the CFPs at the time I took it. The exams were not quite as difficult uh, when I took them. Um, but the C- CHFC is not really as widely known, but it's, it's kind of a, a CFP equivalent in my mind. Uh, but it really is just the first basic step. And I was astonished when I did a little bit of research, it's probably been six months or so, that there are some, when I did this, the numbers have changed, but, but, but last year, there were some 600,000 people in this country that are licensed to, to be what we now refer to as financial advisors that hold securities licenses. They're licensed to sell or represent stocks, mutual funds, variable annuities, that kind of thing. Um, and only some 68,000 CFPs. So it's something like 12%, maybe, of the people that are licensed to, to offer investment products even have the CFP, which I really feel is just a very basic step along the trail. Jonathan, you uh, recently completed, we're not going to have time to go through the whole alphabet soup, and there's a lot of designations, believe me, it's, it's mystifying sometimes even us. Some of them are really good, some of them are you know, I don't want to say worthless, but certainly not nearly as well respected. Um, and if you'd like to get more detail on this report, um, you know, i uh, um, avoided a big mistake, the three keys um, to uh, to finding a good financial advisor. Call us at 800-CAMARDA, 800-CAA M-A-R-D-A, and I'll make sure you get a copy. I think you'll find it very useful and illuminating in, in, in helping to make the decisions that really will define how well the rest of your life goes based on your financial resource, maybe how long you live, your ability to afford medical technology. Jonathan, you recently completed um, the Certified Private Wealth Advisor designation, uh, which is relatively new. Um, I looked at the curriculum, it looks pretty cool, and it really requires, it's kind of a, uh, a a mid-level or advanced level designation, it requires something like the CFP to even begin the uh, the educational program. I think you finished that at the Booth School, the, the University of Chicago. Tell me about that particular designation, if you would.
2: Yeah, no, so, um, yeah, right, so it kind of basically is a uh, more advanced level CFP topics, um, and really going into again those that are out of a certain wealth level and the complicated situations that they may be seeing, so it's a lot more complex uh, situations in planning than I found like a CFP or CHFC due to the fact that it was dealing exclusively. He also charged more after-tested
0: vehicles, you know, you know, more advanced estate planning. And I got to tell you, when I finished my CFP, I was able to pass the test. I didn't really have a good grasp. On right, you the planning. difference between a will and a trust, which is more than a lot. Yeah, but I mean, there's so much more to it, which I've accumulated over the years, but also you know, stuff like asset protection trust. And it was a yeah. real exciting um, the court decision last week that finally appears to be legitimizing domestic asset protection trust. We're not getting too deep in it, but it was more advanced concepts in the CFA. Right, right.
2: And the asset protection, which is a huge to stay in our litigious society, CPWA. uh, I had had none of that obviously in CFP or CHFC. There was no asset protection. I haven't
0: seen anywhere else really except my studies on my own. Which I think
2: attracted us to it, or at least me too. Even in my my
0: master's and in my my doctoral studies now. So let's also talk a couple about investment designations. I hold the Chartered Financial Analyst designation, which is a widely respected, uh, typically fundamental. There's some technical stuff, but mostly it's looking at the books, figuring how much the company is worth. Can you buy the stock for less than it's worth? Those kind of bean counter kind of calculations. Jonathan is just uh, begun the the chartered financial the analyst studies, um, but it, it's a very very intense. Took, I think it's still a three year program, three annual exams. Is that right, Jonathan? Right. You know, pass rate somewhere around fifty percent. But that is thirty you eight
2: know, at the first, forty two, and then the last one. Thirty eight percent is the first pass rate. The first one, yeah, right. Yeah.
0: So it's a difficult, they're respected, but really these are the kind of folks that you see running hedge funds, mutual funds, that kind of thing. It's a very very intense, just purely investments designation. You also hold the chartered market technician. Which is kind of the um, the Yang to uh, to uh, the CFA's Yang. Tell us briefly about that um, in thirty seconds, though, if you Well, could. Yeah, the
2: charter market technician really uh, is a different vibe, and now studying the CFA, it's a nice kind of confu- you know the confluence of the two. But you look at charts, you know, and yes, you with know, based-
0: the charts will tell you about future price Right, activity, and it really, we right?
2: are looking at supply and demand within the global markets, and what it's given me is a perspective on looking at you know commodities and currencies and how they truly drive our equity and bond markets. And you're able to see things developing months in advance, which I'm. We'll get into detail uh, of. Uh, like but last you're, you're taking
0: what you describe as a global macroeconomic uh, right. uh, viewpoint, and we certainly will be pulling for your Nobel Prize in a few years.
2: Well, if
0: I get it, well, we won't go there. <laughs> so let's talk. Most of our listeners
2: will enjoy that, though. But we won't go
0: there. Uh, let's uh, talk to. Uh, maybe we can do that off the air. Like <laughs> they, can, they can call in for a private chat with right, you right, on the right. chat right. line. Just send they, Um, So talk briefly about compensation conflicts, you know, and uh, still after Dodd-Frank, this really is is still as admired as it always uh, ever was, but there are two basic ways that people pay for what they lump together as financial advice, and, and most folks that we talk to really can't tell the difference unless you drill down and, and read the disclosure documents to them. By far the most popular still the old commission model. You know, if I give you a financial um, idea or, or advice, um, and you decide to take it, uh, you buy a product and I get a commission. And that still is by far how it still dominates the industry. Most advisors are on a commission chassis but banks and stuff. Stock brokerage firms, wire houses, insurance companies, that sort. And then there are other advisors, you know, such as we made the switch back in 1998 for investments that charge only fees and they're registered investment advisors, which really is a different industry under a federal law uh, than, uh, um, than, than stockbrokers and, and commission folks. Um, investment advisors are required by law, registered investment advisors, to be fiduciaries. And the short definition of that is they have a legal, besides ethical, legal obligation to put your interest before their own. Folks that are working on a commission basis typically do not. Um, and I think that Dodd-Frank required Convergence of those two industries, but the SEC and and Finra really they've made a lot of noise, but I don't think the situation has changed Although they're pushing very much. The
2: law now. Let's see what happens. Good luck.
0: Yeah. Well, you say you have the law, and then you have you have the 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 the, the regulatory agencies that need to come up with regulations and enforce them. So before, go ahead, Jonathan, I'm sorry. You know, if
2: I may add something, yeah, so you, you kind of, you, you painted that picture, but I did want to say what's worse yet is that it's very prevalent for those banks and brokers, like you said, they're still charging commissions, but they are also doing fee-only work, which has only made it worse because there's a duplicitous relationship in, this, in a sense that they say, if I'm doing certain work for you, Jeff, I'm going to charge you a commission, and then when I'm acting in a financial planning capacity, I'm going to do a fee. But generally, it's such a gray area that you can't tell the difference, and most folks have no idea. So it's even more confusing no. than straight commission. For
0: instance, you know, I'll just leave it uh, um, maybe on this. The a popular term is fee-based, right? Fee-based. And I've heard a lot of clients say, well, we just, for investments, because we do take commissions on insurance and full disclosure, that's a very small part of our business, and, and we don't mix it with the investments. But the, uh, for investments, are the fee. Uh, the, we just charge fees. And we're explaining that to some new folks that are at a you know, a, a brokerage or whatever. And they say, oh, yeah, that's how my person works. They're fee-based. And I said, well, do you realize that fee-based means fees plus commissions? That's the definition. It's an extremely misleading term. Uh, And I wish the industry would come up with something different. But how can you tell the difference? Now, where are you? You know, so that's uh, so understanding the compensation model is critically (laughs) important um, because there's a lot. You know, you get stacks of disclosure and prospectuses and so forth. But most people have no idea what they pay, and sometimes it can be quite egregious. As the moose is about to up high,
1: bellow moose. Well, you know, if you look. If you, know, if you have ever read these documents, the, there's all this legalese you know buries what what's really going on in, in these agreements. Uh, we have seen some people come to us with annuities, for example, and, and most people never their agents never tell them how much they make on. They think on,
0: it's great. I remember I was taught as an insurance, insurance agent. You know the way training is like. You know what? Uh, you don't have to worry about that. There's, there's there's no commission to you. I'm paid directly by the company. That's a very popular way to say it. No, but that does, that's not really true, is it? Because there's no upfront commission, there's a surrender charge or a back-end load if you want your money back, like I put $100,000 into the annuity and if I want my money back tomorrow I get $92,000, there is a commission. But, it's a, but a lot of folks seem to think
1: this is free. It's not free. It's not free. And you know, with the new regulations for seniors over age 65, you know, there have been some decreases in annuity commissions, but you will still see people selling product based on what the agent or advisor makes rather than what's in the best interest of the client. And we always look at the best interest of the client.
0: Thank you, Rob. And that, that old tune is fixed bayonets, boys. It's fixing to get rough. You better put the knife on the end of your rifle. I prepare Hand to hand. All right, folks, we'll see you back in a minute with Cousin Arnold and the whole rest of the crazy cat from the Kamada family. Stay with us! Kamada Wealth Leader's levity is intentional as we aim to be the car talk of financial radio, entertaining, hugely funny, and offering penetrating financial insight and rare expertise across a broad spectrum of wealth-related topics. We're dead serious about money, but we want you to have fun, too, and laugh all the way to the bank. Unlike many financial radio shows, this is not one long commercial or continuity pitch. I hate those constant annuity pitches. This is Wealth Education Radio, and we aim to share financial best practices that can truly supercharge your wealth. Do we expect some of you will want to become clients? Sure, but because the chemistry is right and because you come to believe that the wealth leaders, that's us, can get it done better than your other choices. That's your decision, but when it comes to investing, we're fiduciaries. We put our clients first, and that's a promise you can take to the bank. For more information and free reports, call now at 888-CAMARDA. That's 888 C-A-M-A-R-D-A- Call now. All right, my friends, our, li- our valued listeners, uh, you are back with uh, the final segment for this week's Camargo Wealth and Education Radio, and what do we have coming up next, Sonia Elia, my dear?
1: Well, Uncle Vito just knocked on the <laughs> door, so he's here with our market watch.
2: Thank you, old, uh, Oracle of Retirement Plan. And today, <laughs> I'm unfortunately, on uh, Arnie, is in Vail, uh, so we have a few of our other dysfunctional uh, friends, family members, I don't even know anymore, so take it over. I think, uh, well, yeah, yeah, okay, you can have the mic. All right, uh, appreciate that. Hey everybody, I'm back. Um, so, 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 so here it is. Uh, the S&P 500 has hit a potential head and shoulders um, uh, pattern. Now, before you get all worried, well, let me describe what the heck that is first. That generally is a reversal pattern from a uh, previous trend, and uh, we're looking at the uh, reversing back down from the upside to the downside. The good news is it's a smaller pattern, so again, we're looking in a corrective mood within an up uh, an, uh, an upward interim trend to the upside. Easy for me to say. Meanwhile, the Nasdaq uh, QQQ, the 100. This is a more aggressive index, so and this has been showing signs of relative strength as the re- recent price action broke to the upside. Up again, it's, it's swiftly reversed. But right now we're consolidating, and again the bias is to the upside. So the reason why I even mention this index is the fact that the QQQ indicates overall risk taking by market participants. So thus, if its trend it gives us an overall reflection of the market sentiment at this juncture. Then, if you look at the bottom of the chart, which you can't see right now, but if you do look at the bottom of the chart of the QQQ, you'll see a relative strength line versus the S&P 500, and uh, it has uh, been superior, which again indicates more risk taking. So a look at that shot again. The other thing I wanted to mention to you guys is, if you call the show, your email your email. We will then put you on unless list. So you can actually see these charts every week, just like clients as well. Just a little bit of a puff. All right, now moving on to the mar- the, the, the macro and indig- the uh, <laughs> indicators of the S and P five hundred. Give me some cough syrup or something back here. S and P mid cap four hundred, the S and P six hundred, small cap, and the aforementioned triple Qs. And they've all shown relative strength since October twenty second, and as you might recall, that's when the market bottomed out uh, the last time last year when we had that corrective scare. However, the same cannot be said, of course, for our version of Chris around here, the woeful crude oil, which continues to be in a bearish trend, that's not showing signs of relinquishing its uh, deadly grip. Hey, Chris. In addition to this, oil and gas exploration and production sector had a slightly dead cat bounce. Now, what is a dead cat bounce? I, I don't want any calls from Peter, uh, but the dead cat bounce is essentially a technical term. When the market drops, <laughs> it bounces off a little bit, maybe a little meow, but then she's going south. They right? Right,
0: so yeah, she bounces once, but that's the last bounce for that cat,
2: huh? uh, that, That's right. No more friskies. And you got to throw the cat pretty hard. All right, well, listen, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting a little Show in the throat, so I'm going to pass it on to my buddy. Uh, speaking of oil, I think we pass it on to my buddy, Slickwell. Uh, thanks, Tony. I certainly appreciate it. It's just good to be here. I haven't been up in uh, northern Florida in a while. Anyway, uh, it's always been good to me. Dow Jones is hitting a new January low at this point. Now, what I want to do is contrast that to the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ composite, uh, which have fallen to higher lows than they hit earlier this month. Now, what that means is the strength in the broader indices of the larger cap stocks is weaker than ca- uh, cap sizes that are slightly smaller, even in the S&P, again, as the Dow pretty much is your large international uh, companies that uh, domestically export their goods. And what that means is with a strong dollar, uh, they're they're seeing profits decline. Your J&Js, your PGs, that would be Procter Gamble. Again, they're showing weakness versus their smaller brethren. In fact, if you look at the relationship between the Dow Jones and the dollar, really since August, it has been down, down, down. Again, as Tony mentioned, call up with your email. You can see some of the visuals to go along with this. I definitely think it'll add some dimension to you. Now, as we turn our attention to the macroeconomic indicators, what I'm looking at right now is a 10-year Treasury yield that is just falling so hard, I'm getting that funny feeling in my stomach. The deflationary winds have continued to push commodity prices and bond yields lower. And the Feds right now is kind of throwing us a little bit of a curveball. I mean, recently, they had a concern about inflation being too timid, so to speak. But apparently, this is a 180 from their previous stance that a commodity sector price drop was only transitory. So right now, when you see the dollar flexing some muscle again, it has continued to put pressure on commodities. And yes, even gold was lower in in this situation. So let's just take a step back here and then if you look at right now the VIX okay the volatility index now generally when you see the VIX going up stock prices are going down and we've had a real nice rise recently and re- really the trend has been up since uh, the uh the October low when it came down and it's been spiking with all the volatility we've seen so far this year. Hey, Uncle Bill, you see, you got any dead cat bounces yourself lately? Uh, no, well, you know, well, we're not going to talk about the island. Tattoo, <laughs> where are you? Save me, buddy. Anyway, let's move on to another ugly visual, gold. And if you were optimistic about gold, don't be. Because uh, right now you're looking at gold. You talk about a dead cat bounce. Pretty good segue there, Jeff. Uh, Jeffy, can I call you Jeffy? Right now, gold has had a nice little bounce, but it is looking so woeful right now as it is dropping versus the dollar. There I am. Hillary, I'm coming. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> Yeah, I beg your on the the a second I'm to want to rephrase that please <laughs>
0: Folks you've endured yet another hour of Wealth Education Radio Remember we are here to help you Call us online or offline We're very happy to supply you the information that you will need to brighten your financial future 888 Kamada, That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A See you all next week folks Thanks for listening You've invested yet another hour in Camarda Wealth's Education Radio Your one source for sublime insight on all things financial As Ben Franklin said, pour the coins from your purse into your mind and your mind will fill your purse with gold. Remember the Camarda Wealth Leader's warm offer of a complimentary review of your investments portfolio. That's a free analysis from the financial team with almost more letters than in the entire alphabet. An offer that makes old Ben smile even now. To get yours before we change our minds, call 888-CAMARDA. That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A. Call now before we run out. That's it for this week, folks. Go forth and profit. Jonathan Camard is a certified private wealth advisor, certified financial planner, chartered market technician, chartered financial consultant, certified fund specialist, chartered life underwriter, and his board certified mutual funds. Rob Shevlin holds an MBA from the Warrington Business School of the University of Florida, and Jeff Kamard is a certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, chartered financial analyst, certified fund specialist, chartered life underwriter, and board-certified mutual funds. He's also an enrolled agent admitted to represent clients with unlimited IRS practice rights, holds a Master's of Science and Financial Services, and is a PhD student in the American College's Financial and Retirement Planning doctoral program. Besides being Camarda's chairman and chief investment officer, Jeff is also a working research academic in Wealth Matters. The Camarda team is one of the most heavily credentialed financial advisors in the nation, including Dr. Tang Bui, our chief financial analyst, also a university professor and working wealth research academic. Camarda Wealth Advisor Group offers private wealth management, including no commission portfolio management through Camarda Financial Advisors and other financial services, as described in our boring end-of-show Disclosure.
3: Comarta Financial Advisors LLC is a Security Exchange Commission registered investment advisor, which is compensated only by portfolio management fees. You may receive a Tor ADV on request, which contains important background, conflicts of interest, fee, and investment philosophy information. Client accounts managed to the third-party custodian on a discretionary basis. Comarta Consultants LLC is an affiliate providing other services, including the sale of insurance products compensated using traditional commission method. Jack Comarta is a Florida real estate broker, and Kamarta Premier Properties has commission a fee-based transactional and property management business, which may present a conflict of interest. None of these are a law or accounting firm, and listeners should confer with their own legal and accounting advisors before deciding on a specific course of action. Third-party advisor rankings rely on advisor-supplied survey information and are not derived from independent research. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers, and may not be those of advertisers or broadcaster. When discussed, performance results are presented net of fees and reflect the reinvestment of dividends and capital gains. Not all performance periods may be discussed, and listeners should request complete performance information before forming opinions. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that future performance of any specific investment strategy will be profitable or equal to past performance levels. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Changes in investment strategies, contributions, withdrawals, and or economic conditions may materially alter the performance of your portfolio. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk. There can be no assurance any specific investment strategy will be suitable or profitable for any client's investment portfolio. Securities discussed on this program may be owned or traded by firm agents and principals, in firm portfolios, in firm client accounts, and listers should presume that hosts have conflicts of interest. With regard to discussed securities, historical results for investment indexes or categories generally do not reflect the deduction of transaction fees or custodial charges or investment managers' fees, the presence of which would reduce the client's actual performance results. There are no assurances that a portfolio will match or outperform a particular benchmark. Asset allocation and diversification do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. Back testing involves a hypothetical reconstruction based on past market data, of which the performance of a particular account would have been if the advisor had been managing an account using a particular investment strategy. Backtested performance results do not reflect. Actual trading uses client assets, but were achieved through the retroactive application of a model that was designed with the benefit of hindsight. Backtested performance results have inherent limitations, particularly that these results do not represent actual trading and do not reflect the impact of material market or economic conditions or factors that may influence the advisor's decision making. If the advisor were actually managing the client's money, backtested returns should not be viewed as indicative of the advisor's skill, as they do not reflect the results achieved by any particular client of the advisor. For information on additional date ranges for portfolios discussed on the program, please contact the host. Portfolio performance benchmarks are generally industry standard indexes, but vary depending on the portfolio discussed. For more information,
0: contact the host.